the Bitterfly Podcast. Knowledge is food, bitches. Eat up. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bitterfly Podcast with Emily Otobley. And today we're talking to my friend Devo. What's up? Hi, Emily. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> okay, this week, you guys, we're talking about pride because June is pride month. It's a very relevant time. Yeah, Devo, do you just kind of want to explain, like, your position, your perspective that you're bringing to this conversation, and then we'll jump yeah, right in. Sure. Um, I've lived in the greater Seattle area for, well, all of my life, and I'm 39 years old, so that's kind of a long time, a little bit. Um, just a little and bit. <laughs> just a little bit. All over Seattle. Uh, I went to school at South Seattle Community College. I graduated from their pastry and specialty baking course there. I had my AS in that. And I took some uh, gay studies there, gay history. So I feel fairly learned about the history of the gay world and a lot of things LGBTQI. So I live on Capitol Hill too, so I'm right in the thick <laughs> of it as well. So Yes, the place with the rainbow crosswalks. <laughs> That's right. We have them here. Yeah. Perhaps not first. I mean, nowhere else in Seattle though, right? I don't think I've seen them anywhere else. I agree. I think that's the only place that I've seen them. So, Well, perfect. Thanks for joining us. Um, I figured we would start just kind of going over like the history. I guess like the larger point, if you're listening, that we're, that we're going to work towards is rainbow washing. But first, I think we should kind of talk about and understand how this all came to be. Right. The go-to as far as, you know, gay history is definitely Stonewall. Uh, June 28th, 1969, a group of people gathered in a bar who were, you know, just trying to meet up, have drinks. Uh, gays were being very largely suppressed at that time, and there were these raids that they would do on these particular events and social activities that they were trying to throw together to, you know, raise awareness for themselves and the communities that they lived in um, and uh, this particular incident, um, a lot were arrested I, and, and brutally so. It was just not a good time for gay people. Uh, we've been fighting for years and years. Um, and I think that we were perhaps looking for, you know, a reason to really take it to the streets at that point. And that was kind of the pivotal moment where it all changed and yes, we, we started because we were feel, you know, we were so oppressed at that point, you know, and the, the publicity that it got was, you know, large because there was, there was definitely injuries. I have a tough time remembering if somebody actually died. I think I'm kind of inclined to say that they did, but I would have to check my facts again. Yeah, because at that time, like police were regularly invading, basically like gay bars all over America, and so this is like right. kind of the came to a head and exploded. I mean, they couldn't even call them gay bars at that time. They were literally an underground speakeasy style, you know, right. communal area for them, you know, and there were just kind of those known bars that were, they would oftentimes hit up just because they knew that they could most likely without a, any preponderance, you know, find them there. But uh, yeah, violence ensued and uh that's when pretty much we had enough and we took it to the streets and we started demonstrating until that july i believe the same year as we all know that fight did not stop there and has been been fought <laughs> it continues to be yeah right 
many hard and long years afterwards. So. so, but the first Pride is was an organized event to commemorate the one year anniversary since Stonewall. Yes. And so somehow between like then and now, where it's devolved into this like giant celebration. It originally started, I feel like an important thing to mention is it originally started to kind of like commemorate like the struggle. Um, and Absolutely. modern day, it's more of like a celebration of how far we've come. Definitely. It's definitely a celebration of how far we've come. It's also to raise a lot of awareness of what is to come and what our political platforms, you know, continue and, you know, continue to be. And as wonderful and as it is, it is, uh, you know, it is kind of a Western thing. Um, you know, there's still many countries in the world that are deeply oppressed by their governments and institutions sometimes on you know the put to death scale so it's you know it's uh it's still a battle that needs to be fought so at the first year anniversary of stonewall there are only three pride parades in america there's one in san francisco one in la and one in new york Mm -hmm. and it's not until 1978 that the pride flag the first iteration of the pride flag as we know it is invented and I wanted to talk about that because I think it's really cool this queer artist in San Francisco Gilbert Baker um basically like like with his friends and community like came up with this idea and he was like looking at the American flag and he has this quote he said I thought of the American flag with its 13 stripes and 13 stars the colonies breaking away from England to form the United States I thought of the vertical red, white, blue tricolor from the French Revolution and how both flags owed their beginnings to a riot, a rebellion, or revolution. I thought a gay nation should have a flag, too, to proclaim its own idea of power. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing, you know. It really, I think it really put us on the map. But, you know, I think it also created a lot of, you know, tension, too, with a lot of people as well who were not in support of the community. So. Mm-hmm. but it needed to be controversial you know um mm-hmm. because it's still controversial it's it's not it's not gone away completely right it's interesting you say that it does represent like controversy in a way it does it, yeah. in a way yeah uh, as much as we want to view it as a you know a positive and enlightening thing you know yeah it it represents a lot of struggle as well definitely um Gilbert Baker never copyrighted the flag because he wanted it to be owned by everyone, which is another thing that I thought was very cool. I I think that was wise. And so just to kind of like go on through like the history, I feel like we can't ignore like in the 80s, the AIDS epidemic. Yeah, absolutely. Can't be understated. Uh, Terrible. How many people lost their lives, continued to lose their lives, although yeah. it's not, you know, it's not nearly as prevalent anymore. But, you know, again, that's we have a lot of Western medicine going for us. And that doesn't speak to the world at large, you know, who don't have those, um, you know, who don't have those tools and those the infrastructure to support that, you know. The, right. the kind of medication that we're getting here in America. Yeah, I feel like this is just like U.S. history. Yes. We're yes. going through. So AIDS was originally called by people the GRID, the gay related immune deficiency disease. And that's why a lot of people think that politicians are apathetic to the issue. A lot of Americans 
wouldn't acknowledge this epidemic. And like you said, a, a lot of like really important voices were lost. Um, and here is like, you know, another huge point of contention where like issues start being really fought for like in our country and like, you know, demanded basically as they should be. Very tragic. I mean, I was born in 1982, so I don't have, you know, complete memories of what, you know, uh, a lot of the start of it. So I, I kind of caught more of the tail end of it. <laughs> Mind you, I was being raised in a very cultish style religion at that time. So some of my, uh, my TV viewing was very limited. Yeah. <laughs> I think what really kind of hit, I mean, just kind of moving a little bit forward in time, um, where I really started to notice a lot of the stigmatism that we were facing uh, was in the 90s, early 90s, late 90s. I remember specifically, you know, a lot of people using the word, you know, and the term, it still happens a lot. Uh, that's so gay, you know, it's a negative connotation. Um, movies, uh, a lot of the time, kind of portrayed gay people. They would have them kind of as this underlying sort of evil force or like kind of the the problem of the movie um i think it was midnight cowboy i can't remember you know it's just it painted gay people in a certain light that is kind of like they're you know they're the intrusion to you know this uh, our, our normal heterosexual lifestyle you know and here's this guy you know kind of coming into the scene and you know making his presence known and you know so that's that's the way movies largely kind of portray gay people in that way so it's very negative connotation so i kind of grew up with that and feeling like i had kind of a self-deprecation for it when i finally eventually came out myself and just kind of just like it was a struggle. Um, it's yeah. still a struggle. So, can you yeah. talk about that experience at all? You don't have to if you if you're uncomfortable. But uh, what specifically? Well, just your, I guess, like largely your coming out story. If, if you oh, want to yeah. share any For of sure. that, or or oh, just yeah. like your journey to realizing like, my ousting as a gay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know it's like a personal as a personal it's, subject, but you know I'm an open book at this point. I'm just kind of I'm not very guarded. So maybe uh, give everyone like a background of like um, this cult you grew up in, and <laughs> you know, sure. Uh, just so a little readers ra readers digest version. Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, so I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. I feel like it's kind of no short of a miracle that I escaped when I did. It wasn't like the typical like, hey, mom, dad, I'm I'm gay. It was, you know, it was all very covert on my yeah. end because I was having these, you know, obviously. So I've been brainwashed by this cult. What um, was the attitude? Um, like, how did how did you think it was going to go? You know what I mean? When you finally you start accepting yourself and realizing, like, I don't fall in line with this belief system. I mean, I'd always been attracted to guys. And so, you know, when, when I finally came to grips within myself that, you know, you must be gay. Like, that's just, <laughs> like that guy's butt looks way better than the girl's butt over there. So, <laughs> kind of like, all right. It was very tough with that struggle internally because of the indoctrination that I was receiving from this cult. And it was, it was just, you know, is people, you know, gays aren't going to inherit God's kingdom. You know, they're going to, you know, it's not going to happen. As far as like coming out, 
I I wasn't really I was outed. I didn't come out. Oh. I was very covert. Of course, I was you know probably watching porn at some point in my in my teens and enjoying every second of it. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom and dad had placed the computer in the basement where my dad's office was and stuff like that and so I was down there and I don't think I was expecting my mom and dad to come home as early as they did that day so I was down there checking that stuff out and and they came home and (gasps) of course I'm still new to a computer I'm not really new to a computer but I'm not super savvy I mean I kind of grew up as computers were being integrated into our social structure and in all facets they came home and I just remember panicking, of course, and and trying to get out of the, the site that I was on. And inadvertently, a pop-up had come up and I didn't know that it had happened, but it <laughs> basically said that if you hit anything other than, you know, this button, it's going to make this page your homepage. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> So needless to say, the next time that my dad got onto the computer, he's like, oh my God, what is this? I can't get off of this. Yeah, and so, so this is how you came out to your parents, basically? You got yeah, like, yeah. caught watching porn? Kind of, yeah. They didn't actually like <laughs> catch me in the act, so thank God they didn't see anything, because that would have been um, extra embarrassing. But. Yeah. Because I was able to, like, get out of the computer and, like, go up and just kind of be like, oh, hi, how's it going? You guys are home early. Right. right. Yeah. As soon as my dad used the computer the next time, it was, there was a conversation that ensued very, very soon there. And so what year was that? Uh, it was, it was at least 2000 or 2001 because I was still living at my parents' place at that time. My mom was, of course, heartbroken. Uh, the dynamic between my mom and dad, too, was my dad was a non-believer. And my mom was, like, the devout, like, Jehovah's Witness. So it was kind of a split household when it came to that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's good. Yeah, it was, like, a saving grace, right? Oh, it absolutely was a saving grace. Uh, he really empowered me to, you know, step away from that cult when when the time was right. Well, obviously, when I was 18, because he was just like, you can't tell a grown man what to do. I mean, he's le- <laughs> legal age, so. Yeah. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, and so how did that kind of shape your your identity moving forward, you know, once you come out to your parents? Well, it was ultra embarrassing, uh, you know, just kind of the way that it all happened. And my mom just kind of dug her heels in deeper at that point and really, I think, refused to believe it in her head that you know I was who I was and so that created a lot of strife uh in the house at that moment in time so my dad had the conversation with me at that point wanted to express his concerns about you know me being gay one which is you know I I understood them all but he was kind of a kill two birds with one stone kind of guy so he (laughs) He also told me that he was going to be charging me rent in the same conversation. Um. And I just took, and I, just, I just took major offense to that. So I immediately moved out. So okay. I was, yeah, I was, I was 18. I moved out. Do you mind me asking, like, what were his concerns? Because he's not, his, a re- he's not a religious zealot. So like, what were? Right, his... right. 
issues with it his were very you know the basic like you know i'm just afraid that you might catch you know some sort of disease or or that you're never gonna have kids or something or that i'm not yeah i'm never gonna have kids i mean i think he really kind of you know this man grew up in the you know the 50s and 60s so Right. You know, it's, it was all just new to him. Fortunately, his youngest brother had come out about three years before that. So oh, it, okay. he kind of paved his paved the way for me to have a little more acceptance with my dad. And so that was that was good. I mean, he 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 did it with love. And I and I and I could see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of concern around like medical stuff. I think okay. that was kind of his main thing. And maybe, you know, it's just like, well, this is your choice. So, you know, why would you put yourself in this? If he was born in like... Not a choice. 50s or 60s, like then the AIDS crisis was like when he was, you know, right? In his 20s? Like in, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, I think he was born 1948, actually. Okay. So he was probably at like late 20s, early 30s or something. So like it was that. like a formative like worry for him, you know, when he was like Definitely, growing yeah. up and like reaching Absolutely. Maturity. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that he, yeah. And I'm, you know, and he, as I recall, like he didn't actually bring attention to the fact that what he was worried about was HIV. I think he was oh, okay. just kind of like blanketing the whole thing, you know, just health and well being. And it's just thought- a, a great, well, I mean, it's just a well rounded concern for any, you know, loving parent to their child. So. But for anyone having sex with anyone, it's a worry, right? Yes. Like, it, it's like not gender specific. <laughs> like, STDs right. can affect anyone right. who has sex with anyone. So I, I totally got where he was coming from. I, did, I just didn't appreciate, I couldn't see it at the time just because I was so young and feisty that, you know, that when he, then told me that he was going to start charging me rent, which I found out later. He told me that he was just going to put all that money into a college fund for me. He oh, should have told you that. Yeah, but I mean, in the same conversation with his concerns about your sexuality, it kind of, yeah. I would see, I can see how that would feel it related. It felt very uncaring to me at that time, so. Did it feel like you were being punished in a way? Like, it, yeah. I yeah, found this out about you, did... and now I'm charging you rent, like. It's hard not to think, well, are are these two things, like, related? (laughs) You know? They weren't. Not not at that time to me in any way, shape, or form. It was all just kind of like, so I'm being punished for coming out and showing my vulnerability with you. Yeah. It's kind of how I took it. And I just didn't stand for it. I never really stood for (laughs) anybody's shitty behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah, I mean, I literally packed my bags and was out of there within a week. Probably oh, okay. more like probably more like two or three days actually. Okay. And I and moved. So... It, I'm... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go on. So you. Moved I was just in... gonna say I moved. I moved in with my really good friend at the time, who I had recently started partying with. Uh, and when I say parties, I mean raves. <laughs> so I was Got all that. up in that scene when I was. Y two K raves. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. We always just called them parties, though, because it was very much more, like, nondescript. We didn't know mm-hmm. what we were. Yeah. So, and and truth be told, like, the acceptance that I felt from her and everybody that I saw at those parties was exactly what I needed at that moment in time. I needed to feel accepted, and I needed to feel, having gone through all the stuff that I had with my parents was, you know, somehow worthwhile. Yeah. I guess let's like coincide like your personal history, like 
what's going on in the world around this time, like with, you know, LGBTQIA <laughs> issues. And, you know, from the 90s on, I feel like the don't ask, don't tell measure that Bill Clinton signed in a way tried to protect that group of marginalized people from discrimination. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like the just don't ask, like don't worry about it kind of thing. Like right. they can join the military as long as you don't say anything about it. So it's like, mm-hmm. eh, it's not great. Uh, it's it's like, not right. It wasn't, it wasn't great. But I think during that time, a lot of people just kind of looked at it as a, not the greatest step, but still a step in the right direction. Right. And so that happened in 93. And then what happens in like the early 2000s? That's interesting. I did a little bit of research on that. Post 9-11 was a very interesting time. I don't know how much to really get into it because it is, it's sli- it is slightly political, but I do feel like... Tell us. Or what, what has been kind of... Uh, here, I'll just go ahead and... Basically, in 2007, an American academia, uh, Jasbir Kwai, uh, she had a book called uh, Terrorist Assemblages, and it outlined in her book, um, he coined the phrase, or the term, homo-nationalism. I've never heard that phrase. What is that? LGBTQI rights became a way for the West to demonstrate its civilization and humanity in contrast to, you know, the barbarism and the homophobia that we were experiencing in Islamic East uh, side of the world. It really started to turn political at that point, engendering a, a sense of mistrust among the two. Um, it's the term helps to create kind of a false binary, basically, you know, gay and Muslim being complete opposites, and then you know, Western and queer being synonymous with each other. This push for this type of you know um, ideology are used to generate public support for more warmongering and imperialism, basically. So, I mean, because what did we do after that? We started, you know, invading Iraq and all that stuff. So That's that's, super interesting. I've never heard the term homo-nationalism. Yeah. uh, But that makes sense. Like, okay, so it was like a counterculture move of the West being like, we are supportive Mm -hmm. of our marginalized people. As, you know, people today, we understand that, you know, there are gay Muslims who are being oppressed and, you know, absolutely injured yeah. and, and killed, you know, and so that's, that's why I was kind of taking that stance earlier on is, you know, it's, it's wonderful that we have all the provisions that we do in this country, and we should be, we should really count ourselves blessed that we have, you know, that we do have as many freedoms as we do, even if we feel that we're, you know, under attack a lot of the time, we are uh, definitely at more liberty than so many other countries in this world. Um, and it's, so there's still a fight to be fought. I think about that a lot, just in general, like being born in America is just chance, you know, being born into Mm -hmm. a certain religion is just chance. It it really is. Yeah. Homo nationalism kind of paves the way 
would you say, for, like, where we are now as a society? Like, there are rainbows everywhere. Like, June comes about, and <laughs> I just posted this meme on my story. You know, that Bernie meme where he's, like, once again. So it's, like, mm-hmm. every company in June, like, once again, I am gay. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh I was, this is why I was kind of excited to talk about it. Not this one piece, but uh, it was Best Buy had sent me an email. And I think the title said something like, feel like you should be who you want to be kind of thing. You know, <laughs> just like Best Buy. <laughs> no, I can't. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, right. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, one is like, I'm 39. I don't want to see that kind of shit thrown at me. Like, I don't need anybody to tell me, you know, that I should to, feel comfortable. To be yourself. <laughs> right, to be myself, you know. It's just like, bitch, I already did that like 15 years ago, okay? Yeah. You never see Best Buy spouting any of that stuff, you know, like year long. You know, I think, you know, moving into this uh, pink washing or gay washing or, you know, whatever you want to call it, rainbow washing, you know, check your sources, check these companies out, make sure that if you are moving to support them, that, you know, they support the things and they engender the, you know, the types of, you know, uh, other companies and, and, you know, the people and entities that they throw their money at and make sure that those entities are also in support of, because yeah. so many of them just don't, you know, they have mm-hmm. the name, they slap the face on there, they slap the rainbow up this time of the year, they, you know, they're just hoping to get, you know, make a buck off of you. Um, right it's like capitalism has like evolved into this like groups that were once marginalized are now being celebrated and i think that's great like on one side i'm like visibility super important like you know i'm sure there's young kids out there that will see this and will you know that best buy message like might actually appeal to them like oh i can be myself like that's that's great on the other hand it's like are these companies just profiting off whatever they can? You know, they're like fair weather fans and that they're like, yeah, pride. Like we'll make more money if we sell rainbow shirts, you know, like let's sure. start with the program. Yeah. I think we talked about that last week, the whole, yeah. you know, you walk into target and they've just got this whole section right there as you, you know, walk in pink tutus and scarves <laughs> and maybe, maybe it's just, you know, the time that I grew up in or whatever. It's just, I'm really unaffected by it. I'm almost sometimes kind of offended by it. Are you? Um, Okay. I wanted to ask, what do you think about it? I'm a little, yeah, it just, you know, coming from specific companies that I know have been, you know, especially like Best Buy. Best Buy has never been a gay friendly it would be uh, like if Chick-fil-A like, sold rainbow cups. Exactly, exactly. Or some shit. We would all know that that's bullshit. So, push that Jesus chicken. <laughs> so, but like, in general, what do you think about all this, like, movement towards supporting Pride? Yeah, I have to wonder what, you know, the end goal is for all of this push, you know? Um... Uh, Devo, can you define rainbow washing and kind of like sure. how it how it functions within our society, okay. modern day? Yeah. Uh, so definition, uh, it's the process by which conservative and capitalistic institutions profess their support for queer rights in order to look progressive, modern, and tolerant. 
so, you know, kind of examples of this are, you know, we see, you know, gay police, you know, marching within the, and there's obviously some who think this is a positive and, you know, to some degree it is. Surely a modern day rights movement should support the community uh, in all aspects of public life, including, you know, these powerful institutions. The problem is, is that it kind of becomes sort of a Faustian pact within these institutions where many gays are allowed to get married. You know, they have legal rights, uh, positions of power within these organizations. Uh, but in return, they're not really allowed to question these, you know, institutions any further and, you know, controversially kind of feel compelled to shoot down any troublesome elements of, of their community as well that could be, you know, trying to route that. Um, it is a PR strategy designed to conceal distressing realities and uncomfortable truths. It isolates sexuality from class, uh, nationality, race, religion, uh, and gender in order to tell us that, you know, equality is possible for everyone, uh, you know, which is nonsense under a, a free market capitalistic society. Whether, you know, you're talking about your limited edition bottle of absolute vodka with the rainbow sticker all over the front or your Facebook profile having a rainbow filter over the top of it, uh, the message being sold is kind of deceptive to both straight and queer uh, people alike, which is don't question the status quo. Everyone's life is improving. Things are progressing for everyone. It's it's literally a face. It's a fake face. It's a marketing a campaign. Yeah. Yes. It's it's like we were saying just a second ago, you know, not all of it's bad. Like I I'm not it's I'm not in not in any way poo-pooing, you know, the commercialization of it. Uh what I am saying though is that, you know, check to make sure that your sources are, you know, are are supporting the right causes, you know, deep down. Because a lot of them, I mean, they have their, you know, they may have slap up rainbows this time of the year, but they're also in support of tax increases to, you know, towards all food, you know, for the world or, you know, or they support other countries in the world that are firmly against uh, gay and transgender, gay and transgender communities. It's unfortunate that we have to go to so many lengths to figure out who we're supporting. But this is definitely the day and age where we have to. Otherwise, it just could be falling into the wrong hands. In general, why do you think pride is important? For somebody who doesn't know a lot about it, maybe they just see like the parade, you know, and the rainbow flags. Mm -hmm. Why does it matter? Um, to me, I think it matters because um, it's a way for a community to come together and show their love and support for one another and show their support and demonstrations are always important, especially here, you know, especially now. Um, so to me, it's not just about, you know, getting together with community, but it's also, you know, reaffirming the actions that we still need to take to make our, you know, not only our country better, but the world a better place to live for all gay and transgender people to live in, queer. I think it really does embody that. Although another point I have to bring up is that when I first started going to Pride, uh, they were still having it up here on Broadway, on Capitol here, or uh, on Capitol <laughs> Hill. Uh, 
and it was an amazing scene. I mean, there was that was the I mean, those were magical years for me because everything was deeply uh, community oriented at that time, and you know, all these local businesses, you know, along Broadway were just uh, booming because that's where the parade went, you know, up every year, and then. You know, and then as soon as the community decided to move it to downtown, I mean, that was essentially the the capitalism move. So kind of in a way, I feel like we sold out a little bit, too. You um, do? I do a little bit, you know, on, on certain levels. But I think it's I, I think some of it's kind of necessary, too. You know, mm-hmm. again, it's just kind of like making sure that, you know, we throw our lot in uh, the ones that actually mean it you know keep the you know the platform real and and alive yeah definitely i mean we are taking steps forward like 2015 absolutely obama legalized gay marriage added it to the constitution but we have we appreciate (laughs) thank you obama but we have so much farther to go (laughs) yeah and that's kind of what i mean that's also kind of the other narrative that i have with, with with that sort of thing is that it's uh, you know, when you, when you engender the, the support of, you know, these big corporations into your move towards equality can kind of become like a sort of a, like a Faustian pack. And I don't, are you familiar with Faust? It's a, it's a famous opera and basically Faust, the man sells his soul to the devil to gain infinite knowledge and power. Oh, and okay. it doesn't end well for him. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> so yeah, uh, a lot of us are, you know, we're able to get married. We have legal right, you know, the legal rights that we wanted. And we have, we are still able to, you know, maintain our positions of power. Um, but kind of, I feel like in return, we're not allowed to question these powers, you know, and you know any further. And we are, you know, trying to shut up any more more of the you know troublesome aspects of the populace so it's kind of one of those things where it's just like i feel like i feel like it's done a lot of good but at the same token it's also enabled some of the more nefarious thinking uh people to kind of have their their way with it too well intersectionality matters too you know it's not just gay rights it's trans rights it's yes getting rid of systemic racism like they're all it's like this big web (laughs) it's it it is it's a huge web and that's kind of where i was like trying to figure out where i was going to draw the line as far as like what we were going to talk about today because it is just very it is just like you said it's a web it's a web it's all it's all tied in with each other yeah definitely and like as a society we're only like as strong as our like weakest community member I don't know mm-hmm. if I said that right, but you get what I mean. <laughs> I get exactly what you mean. Right? Yes. Yeah, like like we're not we're not free until every one of us has the rights that we deserve. So how can non-queer people be better allies? Not just during Pride, but in general, in this life. You know, be the best friend that you can be to the ones that you, you know, hold near and dear to your heart those are the people that you're able to impact and then you know if you feel motivated enough you know join any of the many uh support groups around your local community i'm all about community the closest that you can get to those institutions are are the best for as much change as you know you feel like you want to see within your particular area so Mm -hmm. always start with your community in my opinion but um 
What was the question again? <laughs> I said, how can non-queer people be better allies? Yeah. Like, if you don't feel comfortable joining an organization, maybe, like, one small thing right. you could do is just, like, call out homophobia when you see it. You yeah, know, Or definitely. transphobia. I mean, like, say it when you see it. The whole, you know, public shaming has a place, you know, and the more that we come together as a community and speak outwardly, about these, you know, these issues, uh, the better chances are that we're going to have, you know, a good dialogue with some of the peoples who don't think the way that we do. It's a hard time to be doing that, though, too. Very, there's very, there's a lot of very triggered people out there. So be careful if you're going to do that. <laughs> don't just bully every homophobe that you encounter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even on Capitol Hill, there's been uh, one of my good friends it's probably about five or six years ago was gay bashed and so it still happens right here on capitol hill i don't think that i've heard about it very much lately but um it still happens so what would you like to see for pride in the future or just these issues moving forward like what are you hoping to see you know in the next 20 years like really hope that we can make a move into being really really smart about where we throw our resources instead of just you know welcoming every last corporation onto the you know into the floor to you know support us because it's just check the credentials and stuff like that i, I feel like that's that's a really important move because i don't think anybody wants to be associated with people who are giving arms to countries that are persecuting transgender and you know gay people so it's just kind of like as just as an example you know, the scope is huge. But yeah, I think that's my kind of number one at this moment in time, because I feel like there's just none of these companies are very transparent when it comes to, you know, any of that sort of stuff. Do you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation about queer rights, about pride, hope for the future, food for thought? Don't believe the hype as normalized as they're trying to make it it's literally just it's just to give you that that comfort in in saying hey we're doing this for you guys look see how we're changing kind of thing we all know that change comes very slowly in this country you know while you feel you may be feeling it because you're seeing it you know on a business level on your day-to-day -day, you know it becomes very it, it's becoming more normalized don't forget to keep fighting the fight because it is still real and it's still real for a lot of people not just on you know gay rights but human rights in general keep fighting that fight because we're a long way from making it the way it should be yeah we are <laughs> so if i go out to a pride parade this month no matter where i live is there anything I should keep in mind? I think the best thing that you can really do is just enjoy yourself. Uh, enjoy, you know, the people that you, that you love, who you support in the community. Be there for them or just be an alliance member. Keep educating yourself on what the current topics are and just, you know, keep the wheels in motion for what it is that we're trying to achieve here. It's still being fought and we need to keep refreshing ourselves on, you know, what the issues are and kind of the battlefronts are. Go have your fun, but try to make it an educational thing as well. What are the specific issues, um, you know, just like floating around right now, you know, like trans people being able to like use their bathroom? Like that's one that comes to my mind. 
one of the other really big topics right now is transgender uh, people in the Olympic Games. And should mm, they be sports. able to yeah. in sports and stuff like that? I know that's a big controversial one right now. I think I think everybody should just be able to do you know compete in whatever sport they want without you know fear of having to state you know who they are on on that level. Like it, who they I were. All hum- I, I think we're all humans. Who they are yeah. now. Right, exactly. I think we're all human, and um, you know, the time for calling out our differences is over. Yeah, I mean, it's this time is to an, unify. This is an oversimplification, but I always think about this: like, why does it matter who you have sex with to me? Like, like, why do I care? You know, or like, what's in your pants? It it should not matter to me what bathroom you use. Well, frankly, that's, it's none of your business. That's your business. It literally has no impact on my life. And I know that, like, that statement, you know, ignores, like, a lot of struggle and stuff. But it's just, like, a, a simplified way of thinking about, like, why does the way that you live your life in any way, who you see, what you do, what mm-hmm. kind of body you have, like, it, it, it shouldn't fucking matter. We should all just love each other. Right. Um, and I... I... I totally agree with you, and I don't have a good answer for you. Why? 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 Why is that? Yeah. Um, I think we let I, politics divide us. We let religion divide us. We let borders we really divide us. Well, thank you so much, Devo, for being on. Really appreciate your perspective. Thank you. thank you for sharing. You know your personal story about your the struggles you've oh, had in your on. life. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. People listening to Butterfly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week. More Butterfly, everyone.